This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hi, everybody. This is Helena Hart. Welcome to the Master Your Magnetism podcast, where I bring on top experts to help you create the life and relationship you've always wanted. Today, I'm so excited to be introducing Robert Mack to my community. Welcome and thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really looking forward to this topic. For those of you who aren't familiar with Robert, he's an Ivy League educated positive psychology expert, celebrity happiness coach, executive coach, and the author of Happiness from the Inside Out, The Art and Science of Fulfillment. He's also the author of his most recent release, Love from the Inside Out, Lessons and Inspiration for Loving Yourself, Your Life, and Each Other, which is what my podcast is all about. So I'm just thrilled to have you on. Robert's been featured on Good Morning America, The Today Show, Access Hollywood, EGQ, Cosmopolitan, and Glamour Magazine. Today, we're going to be talking about how to handle feelings of loneliness that come up from time to time, not just in dating and relationships, but really in any area of your life and how to shift out of that into feeling more happy. And of course, we're going to talk about the importance of self-love and how that relates to finding success and happiness in life and in love. So let's get started, Robert. What do you have to say on feelings of loneliness and how to handle them? I know this is something I get asked about all the time. Yeah. So I, I'd say that probably most of us are pretty familiar with loneliness at some point in our lives. Yes. So it seems to be part and parcel of the human experience. I think lots of us have re-entertained some myths and misconceptions about what loneliness is. You know, there's the objective state of being alone. We'll call that aloneness. And then there's the sub- subjective state of loneliness. So it's sort of the ways in which you think about and experience your aloneness is what we refer to as loneliness, right? So, um, you know, loneliness isn't the lack of someone else. Um, You can be surrounded by people and still feel lonely. You can also be all alone, all by yourself, and be not lonely at all. You'd be totally happy and fulfilled and feel lots of love, right? So it's important to make that distinction that aloneness does not equate and does not always or necessarily lead to loneliness, Um, because otherwise, I think most of us will try to take an outside and an approach to shoring up our loneliness. And that ultimately doesn't work if you have a mindset or attitude that focuses on what's missing, you know, particularly the people that are missing in your life. 
That's so true. I know I hear from so many people. My audience here on my podcast is mostly women. So I often talk from the women's perspective. So I hear from a lot of women, their feelings of loneliness are keeping them stuck on the wrong person or kind of holding out hope that this guy that they're stuck on will somehow magically transform into someone who's available and ready for the kind of relationship they want. And often it does take dealing with those feelings of loneliness. And I love that you made that distinction too, between aloneness and loneliness. I think that's great. Do you see that as well? Oh my goodness, absolutely. I mean, I would say, in fact, and I think lots of empirical data supports this, folks feel lonelier now than ever, despite being better connected, at least technologically now than ever, right? And so that's a great indication, of course, um, you know, of where people are. A lot of that is related to sort of the pandemic and other things going on. But it's interesting and very um, noteworthy that while people seem to have more connections. So quantitatively, they're more connected than ever. Qualitatively, they feel less connective or less connected with each other than ever. And um, lots of reasons for that. But you just nailed it. There's lots of loneliness sort of going around. And it's extraordinarily detrimental, not only to your subjective well-being, meaning how you feel on the inside, um, but also to your physical and your physiological uh, well-being, obviously to the relationships, even the relationships that you have um, in the midst of all that. Um, But it sort of bleeds into every other area of your life in one way or the other. So it's something we do want to sort of address and hopefully get to the sort of causal root um, of the loneliness, uh, you know, sort of challenge and opportunity there and not just focus on pruning the leaves of the trees or just, you know, alleviating symptoms. That's such a good point. How would you start to do that? Let's say someone comes to you or you're working with a client and they have this loneliness going on that's just keeping them feeling unhappy and unfulfilled in any area of life. How do you get to the root of that or what would you do to help them start to shift things? Yeah, I think the first place really is just to meet folks where they are. You know, there's um, incredible value in just listening actively, right? Um, asking uh, open-ended, non-judgmental questions, reflecting back what you hear and validating, normalizing, empathizing. You know, believe it or not, that's probably as effective as anything else I could possibly say or do is sort of like being present and being that sort of like living, shining example of what it means to be unconditionally loving or show unconditional regard, but just to simply to be happy and present and peaceful and loving that in of itself is extraordinarily helpful for most folks. But then, you know, we try to go further than that, of course. And the key there for me is helping people to discern or delineate between this objective state that we'll call lowness and the subjective state of what we'll call loneliness. Right. And so it's helping people come or bring to mind experiences in their lives when they've been surrounded by people and maybe still felt lonely or they were in a really fantastic relationship or in a relationship with someone really amazing or just in a relationship at all and they still felt lonely and then also the opposite of that which is when they've occasionally been by themselves or you know just with maybe a small little pet or they've been you know somewhere out in the park or you know a swimming pool or something and they've been distracted that they're doing and they're so engaged and absorbed and consumed with what they're doing that they don't focus on what's missing or who's missing right and so they can have an experience of being alone but not lonely and of being lonely but not alone so once we're able to sort of tease those things two things apart we can then sort of do some of the deeper work that requires um, a little more surgery so to speak 
I love how you put that. And I've experienced both. I still experience both all the time. I really do like my alone time. Sometimes I'm not someone who needs to be surrounded by people, but sometimes it can be lonely, even being married to an amazing guy and having this dream life that I've always wanted. I think a lot of people who do what we do are alone for a lot of the time. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes it get lonely during the day, just mm -hmm. working by yourself, especially. I know a lot of people in my community can relate to that. So I love what you said about not focusing on what's missing, but focusing on what makes you feel fulfilled or maybe the most positive aspects of your current situation. Do I have that right? Yeah, absolutely. You just nailed it. You know, um, the brain that we have, I mean, talk about an incredibly profound, complex um, tool and instrument. Um, and it's set up for survival, really, and not always necessarily for happiness, right? But of course, if we survive through the brain's incredible problem-solving abilities, then the likelihood of being happy, at least in these bodies, goes up dramatically. So we love the brain for that. Um, but the brain, as much of it, of it as is an incredible problem-solver, it's also an incredible problem-maker or troublemaker, mm -hmm. right? So the brain comes sort of wired with some of these biases, negativity bias, confirmation bias, uh, there are dozens of biases, but part of the challenge and opportunity there is that most of us, um, if not all of us, um, tend to focus on what's missing or who's missing or what's lacking or who's lacking from our lives. Yeah. And when it comes to people, when we focus on who's missing from our lives, we call it loneliness. When we focus on what's missing from our life, we might call it failure or we might call it unhappiness or lack of fulfillment. In other cases, it's stress and anxiety and worry when it's um, a concern about something that might be lit missing or lacking later, right? Or it could be resentment or regret when we talk about something that was missing earlier in the past. But it's really the same theme that's playing itself out in different ways in different contexts. Um, and at the end of the day, is leading to unhappiness and misery and even loneliness. But it's a way of looking at things that sort of encourages you or entices you into focusing on what and who is missing or lacking in your life um, and or yourself. That is just so true. I could talk for hours and hours on this. I, think just like you said, <laughs> I know you can. <laughs> our brain can. is, it's hardwired. And I see this in myself a lot still, even though I think I'm pretty good at this, but I tend to get fixated on the one thing that I want to fix, right? <laughs> and the one thing that's yes. not going right. I always tell people if a hundred good things happen to you in a day or on a date or something, and one bad thing happens, we tend to focus on that one bad thing and play it over and over in our mind. And on the other hand, if let's say a hundred bad things happen to you in a day and one good thing happens, I would encourage people to focus on that one good thing and just milk it and play it over and over for the satisfaction of it. If they're going to focus on something, it's always helpful to focus on the most positive aspects of any interaction or anything that happens to you. But we tend to not do that. <laughs> Why is that? Is it just the way our brains are wired to solve problems and want to fix things? Yes. So the brain is really wired for survival. And um, so that means that its job is to look for problems to solve, to keep you safe and out of harm's way. That's how we stay alive, mm -hmm. right? It's much more important that you sort of remember where the poisonous berries were so you don't eat them. <laughs> right. <laughs> To, to, to remember where the ban banana was so that you would stay alive necessarily, right? So, so we want to stay out of the way of danger and avoid or minimize risk as much as possible. That's the brain's job. It works like the sentry of a ship. Um, its job is to sort of validate position by finding, looking for problems to solve. And if it can't find a problem to solve, it will make up one. It will create one to solve just in order to kind of keep uh, validating its position 
a sort of century of the ship. And so um, we call that negativity bias. You sort of spoke to that so eloquently. Um, you know, it turns out we need about five positive experiences for every one negative experience. Um, you know, five positive comments for every one negative uh, comment. Um, and you can, you know, really control that. You have a lot of um, power to influence um, the ways in which you experience the world, obviously. You know, you can look for those five things that you're grateful about, those five things that you feel are incredible blessings in your life, the five people that are helpers out there in the world. But if you can take a sort of more disciplined, um, intentional, and um, sort of diligent uh, approach to sifting and sorting for the good stuff in life, for the things that make you feel happy and inspired and excited to be alive, instead of focusing on what always needs fixed, you'll be surprised that not only that you feel better, but you also do better, right? So this is where the sort of science of positive psychology has so much to share. And most of us know this through experience. It's like, if you can just relax and chill out about that thing you're so worried about solving for, mm -hmm. you not only feel better, but you also come up with much better, more creative, efficient, effective ideas for solving the problem. You're a better problem solver when you feel better. So the challenge and opportunity for most of us is to focus on feeling better first, put the problem on the back burner, right? Even put the loneliness on the back burner, turn your attention to something, to anything, to anyone or, you know, anything that makes you feel uplifted, inspired, happy to be alive, grateful, you know, loving. And the more you can do that, the more your mood rises. And then when your mood rises and you look back at this thing that bothered you so much or that you couldn't seem to solve before, it suddenly seems to either solve itself or not be so relevant or you come up with much better, bigger, sort of just more blissful uh, ways of handling or approaching or navigating the problem. That is so true. I've seen that happen over and over and over again, of course, in my own life and in people that I've worked with and spoken to, women in my community. I always say that the frequency of the problem and the frequency of the solution are on two very different vibrational wavelengths, so to speak, or you can't keep asking the question and receive the answer if that makes sense. <laughs> so right? much sense. That's mm -hmm. so powerful. There's a quote. Um, that's a beautiful quote. And there's a quote that I have loved. I think it was Wayne Dyer that shared it, um, that I heard it from originally, but I'm sure it came from somewhere else. But the quote is, the law of flotation wasn't discovered by contemplating the sinking of things. So in mm. other words, happiness won't be discovered, found, or felt by focusing on the unhappiness of things. And love won't be found or felt by focusing on the lovelessness of things or of people. You know, you can't just, you just can't continue to beat the drum of what's wrong and expect things to go right. You can't continue to beat the drum of what's so unhappy and unhealthy about the world in your life and expect things to turn out in a happy, healthy way. Um, it just doesn't work that way. So if you mm -hmm. want to feel love, you have to focus on that which, you know, appeals or appears or seems most lovable. And if you want to be happy, you have to focus on those things or people or places that seem happiest or at least more happy than unhappy. It's so true. And it doesn't have to be in the specific area that you're focused on or feeling a deficit in, right? So if someone's feeling lonely right. in their love life, let's say they've been single for a long time, they just can't seem to meet the right partner or something like that. You can focus on what makes you happy in another area, I would imagine. Uh, do you, do I have that right? Or what are your thoughts? Absolutely. You sure do. And, and, and uh, this is not your first rodeo. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. Helena, I love that about you. Um, yeah, clearly there's so much wisdom in what you just said. You're right. Just change the subject, mm -hmm. change the topic. You know, particularly if you're feeling 
extraordinarily you know, low, you're in a really bad mood, you're feeling really stressed out, anxious, extraordinarily lonely, you're better off distracting yourself yeah. from this you know, really painful thing. And then by distracting yourself with something that is either positive or neutral or innocuous, your mood will rise on its own. Because you, we all have a psychological and emotional immune system that kicks in. And then later, when you go to look at this thing that you thought was such a problem, like the loneliness or whatever, it doesn't feel as bad or as painful. It might still be somewhat painful and somewhat you know, uncomfortable um, for sure. But you'll tend to find that if you can just change your focus and change the topic or the subject for long enough to let your mood rise and you do that consistently enough, it'll start to bleed in a positive way throughout all areas of your life, including your relationship, um, you know, your dating relationship life. Yeah, it's really important. I always tell people if they're stuck in that unpleasant feeling or negative place or maybe stuck in loneliness or frustration or discouragement in their love life, trying to talk themselves out of it and be more reasonable than that while they're in that place, does it work? They're just working against themselves. So that's why I say just take yes. a nap or stay off the subject or go for a walk with a friend, put on your favorite TV show. Even I think it would be better than trying to like force yourself to feel something that's just not naturally coming to you. I talk a lot about feminine energy, um, basically being the receiver of the good feeling thoughts rather than leaning forward and trying to like go out and force yourself to feel better when you're just not at that place. I would love to hear if you have any insights on that. Oh, that's just wisdom right there. That mm. comes from experience. I hear that. That resonates so deeply. Yes. I mean, look, I only do the work I do um, because I was so depressed and experienced so much suicidal ideation mm. um, for so long that it led me to a suicidal experience. And um, when I was trying to dig myself out of the depression and the suicidal ideation, I did precisely what you just recommended we not do, <laughs> which is <laughs> like, you know, my um, imagine a car and you're stuck in the mud, I would like hit the gas super hard to try to get out of the mud, but I would just dig myself deeper and deeper and deeper in to the depression, dysphoria, and suicidal ideation. So things would just tend to get worse and worse. Uh, there was a fantastic book I read once called The uh, Handbook of Mental Control. It's basically hundreds of studies that um, are around um, you know, how to basically think what you want to think and feel what you want to feel. And most of us are familiar with a lot of the studies in the book, even though we might not know them as a studies, but one of the studies that you may have heard of is the white bear study, right? So the white bear study, they take a bunch of people, they put them in an auditorium, they have a huge 40 foot movie screen, they flash a picture of a white bear on the screen and they tell everyone and they turn off the screen and they tell everyone, okay, um, you can do anything you want for the next you know, 10, 15 minutes, except for one thing, just don't think about white bears. <laughs> What's everyone do? Everyone, of course, can't help it. They all think about white bears, right? They did a second um, sort of experiment. Um, but this time, instead of telling people at the end of viewing the white bears to not think about white bears, they didn't mention that at all. They said, instead, they said, okay, we have some problems that we'd like you to solve and work on. And they shouldn't be too difficult, but enjoy yourself. And then after the folks spent about 10 or 15 minutes working on the problems, they said, hey, um, we just have one quick question. Did any of you think about white bears? And very few of them, if any, said they had thought about white bears because to your point, they weren't resisting it. They weren't fighting it. They weren't pushing so mm. hard. They were distracted by something else that was engaging and absorbing. And so they took their attention off of the problem and in taking their attention off the problem, they were able to, in a way, sort of starve the problem of the energy they were feeding it 
through your attention before. I've actually never heard of that study. And I think that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing your personal experience, by the way, too. I can definitely relate to that. I've experienced major depression off and on my whole life, starting from when I was like a teenager up until I think most recently, maybe 2019. And so I definitely relate to what you said. And it sounds like what you're saying is that it's it's an attraction-based system, not I'm trying to think of the opposite, an assertion-based system maybe would be the opposite. Mm, yes. so the more you push against something, the more you say no to something, the more focused on how much you don't want something, you're actually still attracting it. Do I have that that's right? That's right. You mm -hmm. nailed it. You nailed it. Um, That's right. What you fight, you invite, mm -hmm. and what you resist, persist. They sound like spiritual platitudes, but platitudes and cliches become platitudes and cliches for a reason. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's usually a truth in them. So you just nailed it. You have to really, the key is to relax and to chill out, put your attention on something else for a while. And this requires, of course, um, faith and trust. We can call it surrender. It's just a synonym for faith and trust. But the idea is that, look, there's something that hangs the earth on nothing, that rotates on its axis, that revolves it around the sun. And that sun has been shining forever, as far as we know. And it keeps shines just bright enough, and we are just a distance away from it that we don't burn up or freeze, right? And that same life intelligence or infinite intelligence also beats our heart and breathes our lungs and makes the grass grow and the spring come and all, you know, the, the whole the whole nine. So that infinite intelligence is also, you know, you are one with that. And so if you can trust that this infinite intelligence, some people call it source or God or life, can control and maintain and sustain all of that, you can also have some trust and faith that it can, help us all with the nitty gritty little details of our lives. Like, can it line us up with the right partner? Can it help us, you know, find the right job or the right clients or whatever? Um, but it requires relaxation and trust. And when in doubt, just take a tip from nature. I mean, really, it's only human beings that struggle and strive so hard just <laughs> to make a living, right? Just to get mm -hmm. through. And only human beings really make a problem out of their own existence. Most of nature, human nature, is perfectly blissful except for people. It's so true. Animals have it all figured out, right? They, do. <laughs> they follow they do. their instincts, right? They and do. They nap so all day. And uh -huh. yes. <laughs> I really like this practical advice you're giving to focus on the positive and just everything that goes along with that. Do you have any more tips for people who are feeling lonely or maybe discouraged or depressed about where they're at right now in any area of life and how they can shift out of that? I would love to talk oh. about happiness and self-love too, because I know you're an expert in those topics. Yeah, so much, so much. I think we both are. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so I'd say that first, you know, one way to think about it is that most of us think of love as an exclusive romantic relationship we have with one other person. And I think it's worth revisiting that and exploring that and redefining that for ourselves. For me, that is one way of looking at love. There's another way that's much more empowering way to look at love, which is love is not just an exclusive romantic relationship you have with one other person. Love is a way of relating you have with all people and all living creatures, all sentient beings, right? And so it's not something that's exclusive and only appropriate or, you know, sort of available if you're in a romantic relationship. And if you could see love in that way more consistently so that you can, you'll start to notice that you can feel love for and within yourself and for and with others, the cashier at the store, the tree in the, you know, down the street in the park, you know, the small child that's playing. If you could just notice all the ways in which you, especially you, but your life 
is steeped in love already and focus more and more on those things, people, places that you love, you'd be surprised at how attractive that is, how magnetic that is. People just love that. It just lights other people up. You feeling love, you expressing the love and the enjoyment and the appreciation that you have for you know anything and everybody, right? So I'd say that's one piece. Um, the other thing I'd say, in addition to us all being this infinite source of well-being and love, um, I'll call it, is that you know love we often think of too as like a state. First of all, we think about it as a relationship status. So we've sort of been disabused of that notion. We know it's more than that. Um, but then we sometimes think, well, love is mostly maybe a state of emotion. But I would challenge um, all of us to rethink that. You know, love is not a state of emotion. It's not even a state of mind, although it's nice to feel, um, you know, good feelings and it's nice to have good or positive thoughts. Love is really a state of being. It's really being itself. It's your natural sort of inherent essential state of being. So when your mind is cool, calm, collected, composed, and quiet, there's love already. I mean, that love, even if your mind isn't that, there's love inside you already. But when your mind is quiet, you can suddenly feel this like bubbling brook of peaceful aliveness that exists within you already. And if you can spend enough time just sort of basking and bathing in that quiet, peaceful aliveness that exists within you, it eventually erupts into what I call true love, which is a love that is not conditional. It's not conditioned. It's not based or contingent or dependent on anyone or anybody else doing anything or not doing anything, saying anything or not saying anything. You can feel it regardless of whether or not anyone's being lovable. You can feel it regardless of whether or not anyone else is in your life. And it's the kind of love that I mean when I say love. It's a true love, right? And I also sometimes use the synonym of happiness. I think love and happiness are the same energy perceived in two different ways. Mm. When we're happy and alone, we call it happiness. When we're happy together with somebody else, we call it love. But happiness is just introverted love, and love is just extroverted happiness. It's really the same energy perceived in two different ways. It's really one coin with two sides, right? And so really, love is just your happiness shared. It's just your self-love shared. I've never heard anyone put it that way before. I think that's so beautiful. I'm really letting that sink in. I love just soaking up all of this positive energy. I know my audience is going to absolutely love this. I'd love to bring you on for a live podcast episode sometime too, so we can interact with people and answer questions and take callers if you're available. Um, I, think I would love that. I mean, I'm just, I'm just basking and bathing in your energy. I mean, it's so <laughs> awesome to have this kind of conversation with someone who um, you could feel the authenticity I can feel mm. the authenticity come through with you. You know, you've lived it. I can feel that you've lived it, which is a very, it's a qualitatively different experience. I mean, it's easy for most of us to sort of just parrot things we've heard. It's different when you've lived it from the sincerity of your heart because you've suffered so much mm -hmm. and you don't want to suffer anymore. You suffered so much and you don't want anyone else to suffer anymore. I can feel that from you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it just reminds me of, you know, I started my YouTube channel about, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago. And I was 
newly single, not ready to put myself out there at all, not ready to date. And I must have been crazy starting a channel about dating and relationships <laughs> and self. I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, <laughs> it's like crazy idea looking back, but it's because I believed in this work so much. You know, I believed in my own ability to attract what I wanted once I was ready, which is what happened, you know, a few years later once I was ready. But I just, I believed in this work. I believed in self-love so much that it had nothing to do with whether or not another person person was in your life at all. And I think most coaches and people who do what we do have been through hell and they want to help people who are at that place that they've been in before really raise their vibration and attract anything they want. I just love everything you're sharing. Do you have any last words of wisdom? I mean, I know we could just talk forever on this mm. topic, but I'd love to hear anything else you have to say on this. Yeah. I mean, so many things. Um, first, I'd say that, I mean, gosh, you're right. Like, it was my um, greatest pain and deepest problems that pointed to my highest purpose, right? And my greatest pleasure, which is doing this kind of work and having these kind of conversations with um, enlightened souls like yourself. Um, so that's first and foremost, like, you know, uh, sometimes, often I think we need to experience what we're not to be reminded of who and what we really are, right? We mm -hmm. are all just love. We're just pure love. It's not only that love and peace and happiness is within us. It's that it is us. Right. So I think that's important to remember that we work so hard at getting people to love us and at loving other people. We work so hard at being successful. We work so hard at being happy. But the surprising thing and the reason you see often like laughing Buddhas is that when you spend enough time doing that, you eventually wear yourself out and you get really exhausted. And then you realize there's got to be an easier, simpler way. And for me, that easier, simpler way is to let go of thinking like Positive thoughts are definitely much better than negative thoughts. I will tell you that all day long. They're just mm -hmm. more enjoyable. And you want it to be authentic, of course, right? So it's not about just faking it or, you know, about it creating, making some kind of snow job where you're pasting smelly stickers on empty gas tanks. You want to be able to learn how to tell better feeling stories based in truth about everything and everybody in your life, starting with yourself, right? For sure. But also there's, um, sometimes I've discovered that in my journey, even when I had the most positive thoughts, I was still experiencing this undercurrent of loneliness or anxiety or stress or sadness. And I, it caused me, invited me to go deeper. And in that depth, I discovered that there was a peace there, like underneath thoughts, like between the thoughts, like above and beyond all the thoughts and all the emotions, sensations, perceptions, there was always this peaceful aliveness that I could tap into. Really, I was it, we are all it. But you can tap into, meaning you can become more aware of that peaceful aliveness. And as you practice just tuning into that peaceful aliveness inside your body right here and now, it's thoughtless and wordless, it's faceless and formless, it's infinite and eternal. When you focus on that, we can call it awareness or consciousness, we might call it God. When you can practice the presence of that, you suddenly discover that everything you've been looking for really is there. Like it's 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 like actually there. Like so you feel that joy and you feel the love and you feel the peace, not right away. It takes a little time for your eyes to sort of adjust to this seemingly dark room. But as you spend more time just feeling in, practicing the awareness or consciousness or presence of love and happiness and peace inside you, no matter how much you think you have, when you practice the little bit that's inside you, you suddenly discover that it just increases exponentially, right? And then all of a sudden, you're, you start giving it away effortlessly without an expectation of reciprocity. It's like a rain cloud. You 
suddenly find that you're filled with so much peace, love, and joy. You're so full of rain and moisture that you can't help but just rain down and shower down all that peace, love, and joy on the earth and all living creatures on the earth. And you do it not because you're trying to get something back, not because you have an expectation of reciprocity, not because you want a reward, not because you even want to thank you. You just do it to unburden yourself and to relieve yourself of the bane and burden of carrying this happiness or peace and love around with you all day, every day. You know, so it happens effortlessly and organically and seamlessly, and there's no quid pro quo at all, right? That's love. And you discover that in your life one way or the other, but you can tap into that most powerfully and profoundly and most immediately by just spending more time practicing the presence, getting out of your head, getting into your body, getting into the inner body, and then sort of discovering that there's a life force inside you, there's life energy inside of you that is you, that's already chock full, infinitely full of the peace, love, joy, happiness, and abundance that you're seeking everywhere else, right? So I'd say that, Mm -hmm. you know, just tapping into that, you can do it through a meditation. I have a practice called micro meditations I um, love, which is just one breath where you pretend that this one breath you're taking right now is the last breath you'll ever get or you'll ever have. And it's the last moment you'll ever have on this earth. And so you want to milk and juice that one breath for as much joy as you can possibly squeeze out of it, right? And so you do that best by breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth from the stomach. So let the stomach expand and contract more than normally would. And you do it only to enjoy that breath, only to truly enjoy that breath. And you let all your other thoughts go. So for just one breath in one moment, you forget the world. You forget everybody else in the world. You forget your desires. You forget your fears you even forget yourself and you just wholeheartedly try to juice this one breath for as much joy as you can get and if you can do that as often as you can remember throughout the day you'd be surprised at how much peace love and joy there already is in your life and then how many lovers quote unquote show up out of nowhere it's like all of a sudden everywhere you turn another lover another person mm-hmm. who loves you another person to love and uh, you find that your love life and your dating and relationship life is so full um, it's so full of love, regardless of who or what is or isn't showing up because it's all coming from within you. That is so powerful. I know I feel so much better just doing that as you were speaking. And I don't know if you know this, but I talked so much about getting out of your head and into your body. I know I mentioned feminine energy a little earlier in this interview. I think if someone were to have a desire and just go, okay, this is something I want. And they kind of just lightly want something if they were to never think about that thing ever again, (laughs) that desire would just show right up in their life. But what are the odds of that happening? Right. We don't do that as humans. We tend to like try to solve the problem and go after it. And uh, it's a very forward leaning, forceful or manipulative sometimes approach. Whereas you're saying do this just because it simply feels good, not to make something happen, not to go out and get what you want, but simply just because it feels good. Now you're radiating out that peace, love and joy and what you want will start to make its way into your life very quickly. It sounds like, right? Oh, so beautifully stated. That's exactly right. Um, It's so tempting and the world will continue to tell you that you're being irresponsible by focusing on feeling good, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? That you're mm-hmm. putting your head in the sand, you're burying your head in the sand and you're turning a blind eye to your problems and that you're being irresponsible. But the truth is that's the most responsible thing you could possibly do. Like mm-hmm. if you really want to solve any of your problems, your loneliness problem, your finance problem, your relationship problem, like, you know, do what you can about them. But mostly focus your time, energy, and attention 
on all those things and people and places that make you feel happy, that make you feel or allow you to feel relief, right? That allow you to feel a little more peace, that allow you to feel a little more joy, a little more inspiration. If you could do that and you didn't look back at your problem, quote unquote, for you suddenly discover that that problem was either sort of solved or resolved, that, that it was mm-hmm. solved through creative thinking or it was resolved through grace, that something or somebody shows up and takes care of it, or you find that it's not a problem at all, right? But it's really all about, to your point, prioritizing sort of like feeling good over doing good. It's prioritizing happiness over success in that relationship, over success with any of these other things, which sounds kind of counterintuitive. I know we all kind of intellectually get it, but we don't really live our lives that way, right? And it's hard to trust that if you seek happiness, success will follow. That if you you know seek the kingdom of heaven within, that the rest will be added. But the truth is my life has been a testament and your life has been a testament to nothing but that. I mean, the mm-hmm. things I've tried hardest at have never worked out. <laughs> the things I've let go about and folk, you know, and sort of either did just because it was joyful, so for intrinsically rewarding reasons, or turned my attention from completely and just focused on something else that was enjoyable or something else that I had fun with or that I loved. All of a sudden, everything else that I was working so hard through effort to attain, achieve, or accomplish came to me easily and effortlessly and more enjoyably, right? Or in a different form or in a different mm-hmm. way that I had ever imagined. So yeah, um, you know, life and the universe is infinitely intelligent and we get in the way often because we try to lean on our own understanding and we try to figure out everything out through this very finite mind of ours. But, um, you know, life and the universe, God is a mystery. And if you can lean into that mystery and trust and surrender a little by getting out of your head, getting into your body, um, you know, sort of being absent from the mind and present with, say the Lord, but you can call it present with love or present with happiness or present with peace. Um, you find that everything takes care of itself. I love everything you said there. It's just so true. It's just really resonating with me. This is actually the most effective and productive thing you can possibly do, even though it feels like you're just knocking off your problems or maybe being lazy or something like that, where a lot of people would do really well to have a little drop of that. It's not going to turn you into this lazy slob that isn't driven and ambitious anymore. It's actually going to be the most effective thing in bringing what you want in. And those things that feel like such problems really do tend to dissolve or work themselves out, I think, when you get into that place. So I just love everything you shared. We could do so many more episodes. I think I thought of maybe five or six more different (laughs) topics we could do in the future. I would love to if you're available. That would be great. Um, How can people find you and get a hold of you? I know you have an amazing Instagram page with tons of followers over there and a website. I can include links to everything in the description or episode details of this, too. Oh, you are the sweetest and the most generous. Um, and thank you, by the way. I would love to continue this conversation in any way that you desire and feel inspired around. So that's a hard yes <laughs> for me. Um, yeah, folks can find um, me at my website at coachrobmack.com. That's M-A-C-K.com. And or on all social media platforms, probably most consistently and notably Instagram. My profile name on all social media platforms is Rob Mac Official. And you can find um, both of my um, release books, Happiness from the Inside Out and Love from the Inside Out, everywhere great books are sold, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, and all the places. 
amazing. So yeah, I'll include links to everything in the description right below this episode. And thank you so much again for coming on. I would love to do this again soon. And for everyone listening, make sure you're following my podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. I have new episodes coming out every week. And feel free to leave me a rating on Spotify. That's at the top of my podcast homepage. Or leave me a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. That's down at the bottom of my podcast homepage if my videos or podcast episodes have been helpful for you. Thank you so much again for coming on. I can't wait to do another episode sometime. And this has been really helpful for me personally. So I know it's helped a lot of other people out there. So thanks again. It's been such an honor. Thank you. Bye, everybody. If you're tired of struggling in your love life and you want a proven system to get into and maintain a relationship where you're consistently loved, valued, and cherished, go to forever1234.com. Again, that's forever1234.com.